0: You know, this might be a little off-topic, but this is more on the politics side of of it, uh, of Hollywood. Uh Uh-oh. Watch out! SJW warning!
1: Welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster, you live in San Diego, California, the home of the. What is your best sports team there? I don't know anything.
0: Why would you start the episode with that?
1: <laughs> with a sports uh, trivia.
0: Yeah, we are the home of the Padres. Um, That's the right. Former home of the Chargers, but they. Live in Los Angeles now, and we don't mm-hmm. uh, we don't speak to them anymore. They are shunned forever because uh, yep. Dean Spanos is a fucking piece of shit. You are Cassidy Robinson. You are not Dean Spanos. You no. live in Las Vegas, Nevada, home uh, future home of the Raiders.
1: Yes, uh, in fact, I pass the uh, they're building the big arena, the big football arena for them. Um, oh, cool. Right now, and it looks a little bit like the half-built Death Star. Every oh, time you pass it, yeah, Re- a much... reference I understand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's very like shiny and black and ominous. <laughs> oh, I hope
0: they uh, I hope they remember to put a, a vent over the exhaust duct, otherwise yeah. the Oakland Rebels will come and blow it up.
1: Um, (laughs) I don't know why we're starting this podcast talking about sports. Do you want to keep going with this and see how long it'll take before we exhaust all of our collected sports knowledge? I think we did. (laughs) (laughs) I think
0: that moment has happened. Um, But speaking of sports, I think you wanted to talk about the sports of the movie world.
1: Um, Yes, our, our Super Bowl. The real one happened. The real Super Bowl happened, uh, I think, a few weeks ago, but... Literally the week before. That's how much
0: you know. I didn't watch the Super Bowl or the Oscars, so
1: there you go. Yes, Keith is barely participating in American culture.
0: I participated via Twitter. I don't know, it's just the Oscars have been... They've rubbed me the wrong way the last few years. I just i am kind of over it. I don't like the no-host system. Mm. Um I I think it's
1: it I think you so. barely notice it now. So here's the thing. I I watched the Oscars in in quotations. I was at work and I had the Oscars on across the room in the lobby. Okay. Uh, I work I work the front desk at a hotel. It's my day job and on the other side of the lobby that's where I have uh that's where I have the Oscars going trying to like help people and whatever. It was a pretty slow night. So I I got to got to watch it more than um, than I probably should have. But, yeah, you know, I didn't originally plan on it. It wasn't something I was, like, super excited about. I was just like, yeah, they're on. It'll kind of help the shift go by a little faster. And I, this is a year where, considering, you know, we've had good years, we've had bad years, it's been whatever, but there were more movies that I had seen and, like, had actual investment in That's true. Um, than I actually, previous
0: years. I had actually, I think I have seen... Yeah, I think this is this might be the first year I had actually seen all the nominees. Um, mm-hmm. usually one or two slip through the cracks, but this year I, I managed to do it all. Um, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm actually, I probably should have watched them this year. Um, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, I'm kind of, I mean, they're they don't, they're dumb, they don't matter, they don't matter, they don't mean but anything. Anyway.
1: They don't, they don't mean, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. Well, uh, We'll talk about like you know the win the winners and losers here and like the big surprises and you know there's some cool stuff that happened and there's some people who are very mad online about uh, the best picture winner and uh, there a lot of them I'm not I'm not making any broad generalizations here but a lot of them just seem to come from Team Joker <laughs> and
0: uh, uh, okay. you know so there's this. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about this more considering, uh, the main review this week is, um, Birds of Prey or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Um, but DC has this, I mean, there are Marvel fanboys too, but DC has this weird, like, counterculture thing going, um, because... I mean, their movies get shit on a lot. They don't have a cohesive MCU that's uh, like a mm-hmm. uh, uh, movie universe like the Marvel universe has. So I I think that they have a, a loyal but rabid fan base. Yeah. Um And
1: yeah. Specifically cross- for the movies.
0: Yes. And there's some... Uh, and I mean, both Marvel and DC definitely stoke that fire, but... There's, like, this, like, counterculture of, like, release the Snyder Cut fanboys um, right. that are that are DC movie strong. Um, and they just... I get why they were excited, you know? Like, the Joker was... Joker was nominated for Best Picture. Like, that was something even Dark Knight was snubbed of. Right. And, and so I get... I get why there was excitement of that fan base yeah um
1: but if they really thought that it had a chance then they don't know a goddamn thing about the academy awards
0: well yeah but they don't you know they don't know right it's just (laughs) like what a comic book movies nominated for best picture like (laughs) (laughs) you, you know it has to win it says so much about society <laughs> uh, I actually saw this really funny video on Twitter. Um I was gonna retweet it, but I don't wanna I don't wanna give this guy more boost.
1: I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I did he, I did retweet it with like my thoughts. It's this angry video game nerd on YouTube who's just going off. Toxic with a capital T. Yeah uh, he, and he, like he, visibly dumb. Like I don't wanna I don't like to say that about like people I don't know that well, but he just has that uh, kind of yeah, resting you, dumb face. No, you shouldn't say that. That's pretty <laughs> awful. Um, well, but you, y- his words seem to
0: verify it. Y- yes, that is true. Uh, <laughs> and, and the funny, the funniest part, uh, like j- just the mwah, chef's kiss of the video to me is, yeah, he he goes to present all of the reasons why Joker should win Best Picture. He says he ha- hasn't seen Parasite. Yeah. And then he goes on to describe why Joker should win. In this
1: clip, he goes on to just describe the movie Parasite. The themes of Parasite, yeah. I yeah, laughed. Uh, I laughed out loud. That, and, I, and, yeah, I, and for a while, I had it retweeted and I had my comments on it and, and all that stuff. And, uh, and I like something like an hour or two later. It's like you know what I don't even care this much. <laughs> and then also, exactly, there's kind of a happy ending to this story because if you visit his YouTube page where he posted this thing, um, it's like massively downvoted, um, like oh, way sure. more, way more than upvoted. And uh, he like on his like top comment that he put uh, himself in the comment section is like this. Apology was like, I still stand by what I say, but you know, I I hope I didn't offend anybody, and you know, keep watching my videos. <laughs> and,
0: like, no, I I read that too, and here's the thing, I I I mean, I have felt that way about movies at the Oscars, sure. so like, I get it. Uh, you know, he's, but there is a very,
1: it's very. I easy mean, that's for... essentially like the the id of every fanboy geek. And we all have that in, our, in us, all of us, exactly. you know, who, exactly. who get like, this I, invested in our media. That we're we're at a point of our life, probably our darkest or, or or least educated points in our life. We were that, or could come close to it. So there is a certain amount of like recognition of what's happening there. Exactly.
0: That's it. why I don't want to like call this guy dumb. He just, uh, but like I, I mean, he his other videos certainly like,
1: he, ignorant. He has some ignorant. pretty
0: bad takes.
1: and I mean, he's he's one of those guys, and this is, there's a, there's a I don't even, we're talking about this way too much, but yeah. there's one, there's this uh, cottage industry of YouTubers who mine the internet for outrage and make why Captain Marvel is just for SJW's videos. And so they'll make 20 of them a week. They all hit, get about 20k views, and they're fucking living off this. So I really honestly don't even well, think well, exactly. most of these videos are made in good faith. They just, they have a Bait, and they know what their viewers want to see and hear, and they just repeat their, like, dumb... Exactly,
0: it, it's, like a, it, it's like a... Conservative
1: talking points.
0: It's like a dumbed-down DIY Fox News, so that's why I didn't even bother retweeting it, but, um... Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it just, it was, it was a funny video, because... It is.
1: Uh, so, let's use that to kind of talk about the elephant in the room. Um, the big surprise winner for the whole night... Uh, was that parasite ended up basically sweeping
0: and it was uh, yeah, kind of i mean the the big ones it got uh best original screenplay um, mm-hmm. uh, uh bong jun ho won for best director and it got the big one uh best picture which
1: best picture honestly, and best, Inter- I... best international film as well so it won best what we would call the foreign <laughs> film award
0: um <laughs> that oh that just reminds me of the guy's video cuz he was like so upset that the other videos weren't even we're, the other movies weren't even nominated for other categories, but
1: this one <laughs> won Best Foreign Film, so it shouldn't be eligible. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. So, and I mentioned this. Uh, I think the last episode we talked that the uh, I I had said that the last time there was a a a feature that was nominated for both categories, both the international and the best feature film. Category was Amore by Michael Hennecke. That's actually not true. Actually, not too very long ago, uh, the movie Roma was nominated for both as well. But this is oh, the sure, first time, okay. this is the first time that uh, uh, a movie of a foreign language had won Best Picture. Yeah. And, and that's huge. Uh, and and- and the first time that I won both uh, both categories. Now, what really surprised me about this is, and I I always say this um, when I'm doing my predictions and things like that, when I'm kind of considering it on a ballot or something like that at a party, uh, is if something is nominated for best animated film, a feature film, or best uh, yeah, or best uh, it's usually- foreign film. It's going to be annexed to those awards, and then you know it's going to. At least traditionally, you would know that it would never uh, really realistically win Best Picture because it already kind of like they already gave it its prize, and this totally bucked that tradition. Totally, and it was a yeah. great uh, twist ending to the night.
0: Well, I mean, here's the thing: I think it says a lot. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it actually shows anything, <laughs> honestly. I mean, uh, but it is a nice turnaround from you know green Book sort of being a Hmm. uh, wet limp of a award last year this is like nobody really expected it i think Mm -hmm. in in general the film community is pretty fucking excited about this because it's a movie that actually deserved to win um Uh, like, and we
1: could talk about like the you know the politics or whatever the why you know maybe it was a uh, a, a knee jerk reaction to the Green Book thing last year or maybe it was a knee jerk I mean, thing to the le- quote unquote lack of diversity in the nomination. I actually don't care about any of that. I don't care about the noise. I don't care the reasons why it won. I'm just glad that it did because it it did happen to be. You know, one of the best films of the year and arguably the best film of the year. I, you know, I, we did our lists last week and um, yeah. I was, t- I was team marriage story. But when I was watching the Oscars and it was unfolding and after he won best director, I was like, you know what? Go Parasite. Let's do t- this.
0: Totally. And I, I, you know, I was. Here's the thing. I, yeah. So Jojo Rabbit was my number one,
1: but mm-hmm. I. And Taika Waititi did win best. Uh, best, best adapted, adapted screenplay score.
0: yeah which that made me really happy um that it w- it was recognized but but here's the thing i think like jojo rabbit was that was my number one voting with my heart but i th- mm-hmm. think that this is dumb but i think parasite winning best picture says more like i think mm-hmm. I, you know i'm pretty jaded with in as re- in regards to uh the academy and i think that this win It just shows me that they can actually recognize good movies, you know, like that it's maybe it's not all politics. Maybe it is. I don't know. Um, But it's it's pretty big deal. You know, it's it's a historical win. um, Yeah. And much deserved. So congratulations to Bong Joon-ho and everyone involved. Um, But what really excited
1: me, what really excited me about the Parasite win wasn't. Mm. That it was a foreign film or the first foreign film or, or, you know, anything like that. It's that Bong Joon-ho as a director is not in the prestige film Hollywood elite. Like he makes, you know, sci-fi movies for the most part. He makes like, he's a genre film director who, who makes these subversive, uh, political satires that are, you know, of another language of course and and from another perspective but um I just remember like my brain immediately zapped back to when uh Richard Roper was doing uh Ebert and Roper and he had on oh uh, what's the critic? Oh, I can't think of her name. She's this she's this kind of like Tarantinian um cult film enthusiast. Uh Okay. Uh, Kim something? Ah, fuck. I'll have to look it up later. But she was on instead of uh, uh, Ebert that week, and they were reviewing The Host, which was like the first Mm. Bong Joon-ho movie that really broke through uh, to an American audience. Mm. And, you know, a movie about a giant frog creature that lives in the uh, the Seoul Canal. Um, Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And it's also really smart and stuff. And she was... She was arguing for it. She said, you know, the, the, there's a lot going on here. There's, you know, you can draw parallels to the SARS virus and like the the quarantining and that kind of stuff. And I think Bong Jun Ho is actually saying a lot here. And Richard Roper kind of just was like, all right, all right, it's a movie about a monster. I, right? You're the cult film girl. Like, we get it, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, thumbs down for me. And she's like, I don't know. I think there's more going on here than that. And, well, uh, Yeah,
0: I mean, it. It honestly, um, it kind of reminded me of Guillermo del Toro's win for Shape of uh, Water. Shape of Water. Like, yeah, it's it's exciting to see movies that aren't, you know, quote unquote Oscar baity. Yeah, but um, y- I think
1: like, even Shape of the Water, you know, despite the fact that there's a monster in it, I think Shape of the Water is kind of more tailored. It's a tailored. little more traditional, yeah. Yeah, but, kind of more tailored to that sort of award season stuff, whereas it, Parasite is very much a Korean-style, genre-bending, crazy, twisty movie. Totally. This is like, this would be like if Old Boy had won Best Picture back in 2003. I mean, I'm not disagreeing
0: with you, I just think... uh I just think that honestly, if you look back at the sort of some of the past best picture winners, you know, like, yeah, I think that it is becoming a little less predictable than maybe when we were younger. Um And maybe that's yeah. just through, you know, the, the films that have been sort of getting pushed through the award cycle. I don't know. Um
1: Yeah. And also the expansion of the Academy to younger voters. I mean, that's, they opened that up a few years ago, but maybe it's just now catching up to where they actually have an effect.
0: And, you know, sure, you still get your green books, um, but in general, I think that actually has been sort of bucking the trend of the last few years, if you if you really look at them. Uh, so I don't always yeah. agree with the Oscars. Um, in fact, I usually don't, um, but I do think that... Was particularly exciting this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think worth everything. Like you know, snubs and all. Like I was so happy that that movie had such a big impact. Um, totally. And, you know. Yeah. It's... Hopefully, this just gives Bong Joon Ho and Korean cinema as a whole more of an opportunity to break through.
0: Well, it's actually been trending on uh, on Twitter the past couple days uh, yeah. since the Oscars. Is like people have been posting. You know, hey, if you're not familiar with Korean cinema uh, and you're check excited this, about this? Parasite, yeah. check out these movies. And it, it's sort of baffling to me because I was like, oh, I've seen a lot of these movies. Like, I guess I didn't realize how, yeah, uh, you know, that it, it was kind of it, it can be pretty niche. And the fact right that that's it what
1: kind of surprised me about, um, you know, Angry Video Game Nerd was I was like this was what was kind of like the geek fodder of the early two thousands. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. These, these type of films was like this was like the cool, weird, crazy shit you couldn't get in America. So we we totally, you know like yeah. It wasn't, like, the same as, like, the, you know, trading, like, recorded video nasties from the 80s or whatever. But it was kind of like that. It was like you were sort of it, in the, the know if you watched, like, Takashi Miike movies or you watched, watched, watched totally. Bong Joon-ho movies or something like that.
0: It's it's the under... I mean, it is the underground choice. This is an instance of the punk rock underdog winning. Right. Um, and, and I think that's why punk rock underdogs uh, are excited about it um absolutely i think it's it's what you know Neckbeard doesn't get is that joker was the mainstream choice like it is Mm -hmm. the mainstreamification of that character of that underground sort of counterculture like right and i'm not saying that in a bad way like i think it it's cool that uh you know comic book movies have become come that mainstream to where they can have an oscar nominee mm-hmm. um but objectively i think parasite is a much better film than joker was uh, i i i liked joker but mm. you know i don't think it's as, nearly as interesting um i no, didn't correct. find and, and so you know and and again this guy is trying to be edgy he's trying to be you know yeah. a he's trying to foment uh,
1: an existing outrage online so again half of it's in bad faith i'm sure but yeah so without, I'm, without going I'm on, on that
0: his comments with a pretty big grain of salt i'm just saying in general 100%. it's it's gratifying to see the oscars actually pick arguably the best picture for the best picture
1: yeah and something outside of the box um, yeah, but did uh, before we move on to our review of uh Birds of Prey did you want to recommend your favorite Korean K thriller or something that someone uh, maybe huh. isn't super familiar with Um oh, you're
0: uh throwing me under the bus here you're uh not
1: uh huh. I
0: will say when I saw this trending mm-hmm. um I immediately thought of Wolf Brigade uh mm-hmm. that we reviewed last year for the uh a Netflix homework um mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Kim jong movie. Me- yeah, I can't remember the, the full name of it. Um, yeah. But I thought of it because I was like, this movie should sort of have a bigger audience here because it is doing the American action blockbuster thing so well. Um, mm-hmm. Like it does the, you know, the sort of Mission Impossible espionage thriller aspects with some badass fucking action. Yeah, um, and sci-fi. So, so if I'm going to recommend anything to American audiences that are maybe not as familiar with South Korean cinema, I think that's like a really good starting point, because I think that would be pretty friendly to, uh, you know, American audiences and American sensibilities. But I mean, one of my favorite movies, period, that you already mentioned was Old Boy. For um, sure, yeah. you know. So it's one of my best favorite foreign films, and just one of my favorite movies because it is, uh, it is an incredible movie. It it might be, a, you know, they tried a, doing an American adaptation that.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't I recommend
0: that. <laughs> didn't I? Didn't even watch it. I don't care. Um, right. But yeah, uh, are didn't. there any? Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily even have to be South Korean, but um, are there? You know. Is there any sort of Asian cinema you'd want to recommend?
1: Oh sure. Um, I'm gonna. I'll stick with uh, South Korea. I want to recommend an earlier uh, Park Chan-wook movie called uh, JSA or Joint Security Area. This was before he did the Vengeance trilogy towards the end of the 90s or so. But it's a uh, it's a movie about two guards, one uh, South Korean and one guard. Or uh, a group of guards that live in on um, the border of South Korea and North Korea, and sort of like a friendship that builds between them, and it's uh, it's really uh, nerve wracking and heartwarming and devastating, and it's it's one of his best films. That I think's highly overlooked. Cool. What was it called again? Joint Security Area.
0: Joint Security. Yeah. Uh, do you know if it's on any of the streamings?
1: I don't know. You'd have to look, but uh, I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure it's. Uh, you could probably find it on, on uh, Amazon. I would imagine. Cool. All right. Let's go ahead and start talking about this week's movie review then, which is uh, Birds of Prey, and, uh, uh, and what is, actually, what's the full title? Now there's like five titles for this goddamn. So movie. So
0: they actually recently renamed, renamed it, it completely. Yeah. Now it's just called Harley Quinn Birds of Prey. <laughs> Um, yes. Originally, it was called Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yes. Um, which I actually or... prefer that title, but I can see why they changed it, and we can get into that. Um,
1: yeah, I, I think that they... Um, uh, well, the original title reminded me of uh, Too Wong Fu, Thanks for <laughs> Everything, Julie Newmar. Oh, sure, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, so, I, I mean... <laughs> I think you know the 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 big one of the big criticisms. So this movie isn't performing like they wanted it to, as far as box office, which I think is is a stupid. Um, like they want it to be doing Deadpool numbers, and it's not. And right. right now, I think they're partially blaming it on the marketing because it's marketed as Birds of Prey. Um, and this is a Harley Quinn movie, pretty much. She is the main, ca- yeah. She's you know that she's literally narrating the story. She's has the most screen time. Like it is a Harley Quinn adventure, and the Birds of Prey are definitely subsequent characters. So I yeah. can see why they might be like, ooh, maybe we made a, a marketing error here. It didn't bother me. But no,
1: but. We knew what we were getting. <laughs> I mean, we knew yeah, like, exactly. the comic book history here. I mean, okay, we can, we can talk about the plot. Um, basically, this is a story about uh, of Harley Quinn, as played by Margot Robbie. She returns uh, as the character from Suicide Squad. And she's just recently been dumped by the Joker. And she's trying to get over it. She's out partying, blowing things up. Uh, You know, avoiding all of the people in her life that want to see her killed now that she's not under the protection of the Joker or his gangster empire. And specifically, she's trying to avoid a gangster played by Ewan McGregor called the Black Mask. Black Mask has uh, a MacGuffin out there, a a Mm. diamond that's encrypted with a a code that's going to give him a stolen fortune. And this diamond has been out of his reach. It has now uh, been... Uh, swallowed by a a young teenage pickpocket who has some familial connections with his top lounge singer slash new driver and gopher, um, Black Canary. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of ins and outs here, but basically it's a lot of people trying to get to Harley Quinn and this girl that has a diamond in her stomach. And Harley Quinn is sort of protecting this girl.
0: And there's so, yeah, Harley Quinn uh, has all these people gunning after her and she finds out about this diamond and thinks that, you know, it's sort of her ticket to to being safe again, to being um, uh, sort of protected again and sort of revolving around her is all this craziness uh, involving all these different characters, which spoiler eventually become the birds of prey.
1: I I mean um, yes, we also have Mary Elizabeth Winsett in there as the huntress who's on her own revenge trip that's very mm-hmm. ancillary to all of this diamond hunting. Um but, Rosie but Perez as Rene Mon- Montoya, who
0: Yeah, who's just been fired the from Batman, the GCPD. Mm-hmm, who is a, uh, I believe another character, like Harley Quinn who was originally from uh the Batman animated series.
1: Yes, um, I think it was a Montoya and and Harley Quinn that were created for the series first, and then the comics adopted them. Uh huh. Yeah, I, those
0: are two characters. I think uh, both characters that sort of crossed over once they sort of ingrained themselves enough in the Batman lore. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think two of the stronger Batman characters. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. What did we what did you think of Harley Quinn? What are, what are your thoughts on on the movie what's, what's your takeaway? On um, Birds of Prey you,
1: you mean? Um
0: yeah, yeah. Uh well no, now it's Harley Quinn subtitled Birds of
1: Prey. Right. God. Uh, it's just I hate it when movies
0: rebrand halfway through a theater run like yeah. uh Edge of Tomorrow did that like Live, did it changes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> anyway it's not um, it's not a great sign of things um yeah so uh there's a lot to talk about here because this is this is uh sort of a standalone film but it is also sort of a semi-sequel or reboot if you will of the suicide squad um this definitely exists in the same movie universe um it's carrying over a lot of the stylistics and suicide squad is a film that you know more or less doesn't work and is bad. Uh, mm. But I will say that even when I, and I even went back and re-listened to my review of Suicide Squad, because I kind of like didn't totally remember everything I said about it. Even though that movie didn't work and like, ultimately I, I couldn't recommend it. I thought that there were interesting elements of it that had, they had been better utilized or intentional. That there was something salvageable there. What I think Birds of Prey does is exactly that. I think that they see, um, you know, the writer and director here. Uh, they see what was yeah, uh, the. Casey
0: Yan uh, directed, and Christina Hodson was the, is credited as the writer.
1: Yes. And I think that they were able to kind of see that or, that film, or sort of what the you know what was eventually released, because that went through lots of different like re edits and crazy stuff too. Um, but I think they were able to see what was going on there, and they see like the type of film they were trying to market, and where that got lost in all of the studio notes and the noise and and the release, mm-hmm. um, and. And all of the re-edits and reshoots, I think they were able to see what that movie was going for, and then immediately sort of sharpen the point of view to specifically satisfy that tone. So while that movie was kind of all over the place and stylistically um uh, muddy, this movie, to me, feels much more intentional, which yeah. is to say, if there is stuff that annoyed you about the stylistics of Suicide Squad, you know the the needle drops. You know all, all the different like uh, uh, songs that are played throughout the throughout the movie. The fast paced chop-socky editing and like the non linear stuff and and um, you know all of like the cartoony like pop ups and and things like that. If that kind of stuff annoyed you, it'll still annoy you here. But at least I think it's done to better effect and. Not to drown out the fact that they don't really have a movie without it.
0: Yeah. So overall, I'm going to say um, I I have s- I have thoughts about this movie. I overall I enjoyed this movie. I think mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, poppy and bright and genuinely pretty funny throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't to say I don't have some issues with it. I think but but i can get i'll get into that a little more specifically uh later. um i think the thing that, that works for me here is um in su- like you said suicide squad was sort of marketed as this poppy like bright sort of counter uh counter superhero movie. Sure. And that's not what it is. It's it's dark and dumb and the What story there is is so paint-by-numbers uh, that yeah. it hurts. Whereas this is like, there's a lot of moving pieces that they're trying to articulate and, and push together. I don't think it always necessarily works. Um, but I think story-wise, it's, it's simpler in that it is mostly Harley Quinn's story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're trying to do more character work, and they're trying to do more... Sort of a balancing act as far as that goes, um, yeah. and so in some ways, I think it's a more ambitious movie. Uh, like they're they're definitely trying to do some stylistic stuff. Like they're you know they're definitely sort of doing a, a candy coated Tarantino effect throughout a lot of it.
1: Uh, uh, right? Yeah, I was also stylistically certainly I was reminded of of Guy Ritchie. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that going on here, and I think well, that even I mean, you could you could make the argument that a lot of Guy Ritchie is right. just candy. Tarantino, Tarantino was kind of doing Tarantino as well, yeah. Um, but but, but I and, think and I and th- I think that's like a, a lot of the like uh, glittery, crazy like uh, ramp up and that kind of stuff that they do throughout the movie, and so the production design and maybe even some of the like way they use music remind me a lot of like Baz Luhrmann.
0: Yeah, uh, kind of like there's sort of a musical sequence. Um, that I wanted it to go, like, full musical sequence. Sure, um, they might as I, well. I, I Yeah, I wanted them to I actually push that moment a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But because we have Harley Quinn as sort of the framing character, I think they can get away with that nutso sort of aesthetic. Harley Quinn is a character uh, in the past, you know, 15... 20 uh yeah probably like 10 15 years in comics they've sort of reframed uh to get her away from just being joker's sidekick and she's yeah. sort of become uh DC's Deadpool. So it makes basically, sense to me, to me to make DC's version of the Deadpool movies. And that's
1: Right. and I there's a lot of that going on here too.
0: Yeah, and and I think this movie when it works, it works for a lot of the reasons Deadpool works. It's Mm-hmm. irreverent it's um crude it's but fun and funny in charming in its crudeness like uh, uh in in ways that work yeah uh for the most part i think Ian mcgregor is absolutely fabulous uh <laughs> hamming it up and having so much fucking fun as the yeah Miller. so i
1: was kind of of two minds with that performance because when I, when i First inter- oh, was introduced in the it. film. Well, when I, he was first yeah. introduced in the film, I wasn't quite sure what he was going for. And the movie okay. was moving so quickly. And we were like jumping from set piece to set piece and timeline to timeline and that kind of stuff so much that I hadn't quite got a grasp on, on his choices yet. So I just thought it was a bunch of choices. Um, but then once we <laughs> get that scene about midway through – when he's uh, uh, talking to it's a black canary um, at that point, or mm-hmm. is it Harley? When he's like showing him all the different stuff that he has collected over the years, yeah. Like, and the then I saw, one. and then I saw like the totally. full collection of his acting choices and like the character that he had built, and it was. Then I understood what he was going for, and I was like, okay, now this is great. And I also really like, uh, uh, oh shit, what's his name, Chris Messina plays his his henchman uh, victor's ass so yeah
0: that that is one thing i'll say about this movie is uh, other than harlequin and well harlequin and and huntress and montoya are pretty close to uh, and and um black canary they they make some changes with her like these aren't like one for one translations mm-hmm. of the comic book character into the movie so if that's something that's a deal breaker for you you're not going to enjoy this if you can detach from that and just you know enjoy the movie characters for the version that they're presenting yeah um, i think you'll have a lot of fun with this because like uh i agree with you i really enjoyed victor's as totally different than his comic representation um,
1: right
0: but i think it worked here reframing black mask and victor zayas as as this sort of gay power crime couple <laughs> um was really fun i think yeah yeah and and i'm sorry i cut you off what were you going to say about no
1: that's all that's all i was going to say is i i thought that uh yeah it took me a little bit to kind of find my footing with the movie in general i actually think like the um the first third of it, when it's cutting back and forth through the timeline, it's a little unnecessary. And I think they're really just trying to dress up the fact that this is a movie about a bunch of people finding a diamond.
0: I See, that was actually where I was enjo- I, I was really enjoying that aspect of the film. Because it's like, we have this very simple story. You know, all these characters are all just sort of gunning for the MacGuffin. Um, right, right. So let's play with that. Let's make all these crazy stylistic choices and jump well, no, around I'm, I'm, in time and and I'm fine uh, with uh, the
1: stylistics and I think that you can even have multiple perspectives and that kind of stuff to break it up. But the but the back and forth stuff I thought it got a little unnecessary at a point. But once the movie caught the story caught up with itself and we were more on a linear timeline then i uh i fell real i fell into the rhythm of the movie and i i kind of got what it was going for and i could see like what it was doing successfully that suicide squad didn't even though this is very much a sequel to that movie. I mean, they, they they exist in the same movie universe. I mean, in the same way that uh, Rise of
0: Skywalker is a sequel to Last Jedi. Like, they <laughs> right. literally cut around the Joker in, in scenes uh, because they don't want... They
1: can't, yeah. They, they don't have anyone cast as him yet. <laughs> and they just I don't think they want...
0: I think DC as a whole wants to separate themselves from the disaster that was jared leto's performance like it nobody liked it um that movie tanked so why why regurgitate that right um Mm -hmm. and and so i actually really liked the way they did that and now i do think story-wise that presents a little bit of a problem in that this movie is about harley quinn's emancipation it's about her finding herself and so much of that is is about her separation from the Joker that I do think Black Mask near the end does become sort of a stand-in for the Joker. And I think it's a little sad that we don't actually get to see any sort of, uh, uh, that is all at the beginning of the movie. You know, it's like, and then uh-huh. I was done with Mr. J and then it's, but they still sort of reference him. I feel like the Joker is sort of a shadow that looms over this movie. Sure. Um, I I don't think it necessarily, I don't think it it is too big of a problem. Ewan McGregor and, and Black Mask is a suitable stand in for him, but I definitely felt it at the end. I was like, well, yes, she solved a problem, but, I didn't quite get that catharsis that I think they were trying to go for. Um, hmm.
1: See, I, I didn't think that. I think that you know the film without well, giving I away would, too I much. I would much
0: rather prefer the the cut that we got with no, like I don't need to revisit Jared
1: Leto's version of the. Director. No, 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 no. I, but but I think that you know the emancipation, you know whatever. But if you. There is a there is a certain thing kind of going on with all these characters, specifically the the birds of prey, if you will, of Huntress and Montoya and and Black Canary and and Harley Quinn, as they've all through the circumstances of the film sort of they all have uh, their own character arc, and it might not be the most yeah. deepest or the you know the most uh, complex character arc, but they all have one, and that's way more than I can say for our Suicide Squad. Uh, that ignored <laughs> totally. half their characters. And uh, I think that they're all integrated in this plot in a way where they all feel useful. There's no one in, uh, here that I feel is just kind of there. Um, and I feel like I got a handle on all these characters. Even if they totally. don't have a ton of dialogue from scene to scene. I still I know what they're about. I know their, their motivations throughout the film. So this is like and basic I- movie making bullshit. <laughs> this is basic yeah. like... The thing all movies should aspire to do, but unfortunately a lot don't. And this movie accomplishes the base level of how to tell a goddamn story. So congratulations, Bird of Prey. But <laughs> I also, I also, on top of that, enjoyed the aesthetics. Um, even the stuff that annoyed me the first go around in, in, in Suicide Squad, I think worked better here. Some of the needle drops are a little too much. Um, sometimes yeah, the jokes aren't as funny as they think they are.
0: But, there is a, a a moment near the when the third act begins. Um, yeah, like they do spend all this time sort of setting these characters up, and then mm-hmm. the movie is literally just like, okay, now they're just all
1: together. <laughs> um, yeah, but I felt like it came to a natural point for that. Like, yeah, like and, and they and it, all had their own mission, and it made sense that at that point when they when they come together, like the movie had done the legwork to get them to be a team. It wasn't just like you know, they were captured in the same jail cell, and they're like, well, I guess we're the birds of prey now. I mean, there's a little bit of that.
0: There is a little (laughs) bit of that. There's a little bit of like, uh, okay, well, I, you know, like, Huntress is like, well, I was here to kill this guy, and they're like, well, actually, you gotta kill this guy, you know, like, there's (laughs) a little bit of that. Um, but what I was, my point was, uh, that the movie isn't interested in wasting our time with that so they're like yeah yeah i mean they're together you just accept that now and have fun with the rest of this movie and and i sort of appreciate that like there is an economy to it um Mm -hmm. that i that i did sort of appreciate one criticism i will have of this movie i don't want to spend too much time on it because i get why they did it but during the action sequences, which I do think are really fun and well choreographed and mm-hmm. uh, pretty dynamic. But there's this one in the fun house. You don't really see any of the female characters start to lose any fights. Um, oh,
1: okay, yeah, which
0: does, you know, which can make action scenes start to get a little repetitive. But, you know, it makes me think of, like, the whole thing with Hobbs and Shaw about, like, Jason Statham and The Rock's contracts of, like, well, they can't lose a fight too much. I do think there's a little bit of that going on, which I think diffuses some of the tension that could be there. Um, but I don't... Sure. I Again, I don't... I get that this is a Fantasia, you know? This is... Yeah. And I think it's okay for... You know, a female-driven action movie to want to uplift the female-driven action, um, yeah. but there is a a quality to it that almost feels more like a musical number or like a dance piece than than an actual
1: action sequence. If that makes sense, right? Going back to the Baz Luhrmann thing, yeah, um, yeah. I mean,
0: I kind of like in the Funhouse sequence, I was kind of getting some Batman sixty six vibes,
1: which okay, yeah, isn't absolutely. necessarily
0: a bad thing. I I just uh if if they wanted the a- action sequences to be a little more dynamic um you know i think it's okay for us to start to feel that tension of the fight a little bit more mm-hmm. um
1: yeah no i i know what you're saying like it is one of those things where you know the last the last big battle is just basically fight 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 and there's not yeah there's there's not a an an elegance to the to the uh, uh, ebb and flow of the battle, it, you know, I it is basically just, just well, like we got to mow through these nothings to get to the end of our set piece exactly. Um, but, but but I also I will again, say there is more stakes here, and I cared more about what what the what was happening in the action than I did in Suicide Squad where they were fighting oh, CGI putty heads.
0: Fucking sure, yeah, and it's literally like let's stop the big
1: beam laser. No, there's actually like in emotional conflict uh yeah and i think they I, I also mean, did a little bit more legwork with black mask at the beginning of the film to show his psychopathy and to make him truly menacing
0: yeah exactly I, I thought he was uh actually me and ashley talked about this after the movie i uh i thought they did a really good job of making him charming and fun but and also funny. Threatening. And a- threatening and funny yeah. but, but which is the character as
1: as as you read him, he, he's written that way a lot. Well,
0: I was just going to say, like, that's actually pretty rare for this sort of level of movie, is it's sort of usually either one way or the other. Like, mm-hmm. you know, charming villain that you don't actually feel threatened by, or someone who they just try to make him only threatening, and mm-hmm. is kind of a sopping bore. Um, I actually thought they did a really good job with making him feel like legitimately pretty scary um Mm -hmm. but you also like him (laughs) you know he's that bastard you love to hate
1: right and he and he gets to ham it up and make wild choices i mean ewan mcgregor always and forever will have a little bit of trouble stifling his scottish accent that is just a thing you get when you pay for ewan mcgregor um but you know (laughs) yeah i was i was thoroughly uh Enjoyed his performance. And, again, going back to Chris Messina, a very different kind of performance. He's this kind of brooding, uh, you know, sullen kind of uh, stoic uh, bad guy. But also, within that, finds an outlet for comedy. Like, he's yeah. hilarious in the movie, and he barely twitches an eyebrow.
0: I Yeah, I mean... Honestly, I think the whole cast here is pretty great. Um, yeah, and Margot Robbie. I, I mean, and it's her on. movie. Yeah, you can't get uh, you can't. I cannot think of anyone who could possibly be a better Harlequin. Quinn, like a better real life. Uh, I read one person who like tweeted or or something. Um, you know, like she is to Harlequin Quinn what Robert Downey Jr. is to Iron Man. Like, absolutely, she's yeah. so fucking perfect for the
1: part. Um, I but also but differently from that though, uh with Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. wasn't playing Tony Stark. He was playing Robert Downey Jr. It just happened to be great casting. Yeah, he that, just came in as Robert true. Downey Jr. and they put a put a goatee on him and said, "Oh my God, we have Iron Man." And I just this like. She and this, is, she is a hundred percent committed to all of this crazy, wacky character stuff that was invented yes. in a cartoon. She is playing a human cartoon, and and commits only to vulner-
0: it. And she's vulnerable, but not obnoxious. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, she's yeah. I mean, she's so goddamn charming. Um, also, like you know, shout out to the rest of the birds. I fucking loved. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead yeah. as the Huntress. And she has probably Again, the, le- the, the least person. amount of screen time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she probably has like total maybe two pages of dialogue in the script. But yeah, she makes every moment fucking
1: count. And mm-hmm. I think has one of the best jokes in the movie. Absolutely, she and and like like uh, Chris Messina, she is made to be stoic and angry and sullen, and it comes off because of the tone of the movie and you know uh, because of the direction. She's hilarious. Yeah, they they poke just like
0: the perfect amount of fun at that sort of smoldering loner trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me, that was where this movie shined was when they were sort of playing with these. Uh, with these tropes and with Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, like these are comic book characters but from the lens of someone who sees everything in high-def cotton candy multicolor.
1: Right. Uh, Yes. Yes. And also uh, Rosie Perez as as, uh, Montoya. That was a very interesting casting because Rosie Perez has been around for a while, if you know what I mean. And She's still a great actress, and she mm-hmm. still has a lot to offer. But we haven't seen her in a while, and it was yeah. great to see her like get to really uh, sink her teeth into a a big dumb action movie. Totally, and she
0: was also great. Like when I saw her, I was uh, originally I was like, "Oh, this isn't what I sort of pictured for Montoya." But then I was mm-hmm. like, I just fell in love with her character.
1: Um, yeah, and it, any I other what- any other casting director would have. Would have hired, you know, Selena Gomez or something like some young ingenue from t- who just was discovered two totally. years ago. Totally, yeah. So this and that is a thing that I think
0: this movie does really well is um, it's diverse with, but making it work. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not just for diversity's sake. It's like let's use that diversity and let that inform these characters. Let's not just cast someone you know, just sort of as Hollywood token casting, but let's let that inform the character, you know, let's get an, uh, an older actress to play Montoya and let's mm-hmm. make Montoya an older character. Who's had to struggle with that exact bullshit. Right. <laughs> uh, and I think that is where this movie really worked is like, let's be smart about these characters. And, and, mm-hmm. and um, and I not familiar with, um, journey Smollett bell. Uh, but you know Me she either. held her own as as uh Black Canary like I I really enjoyed yeah. her in the movie and uh uh the the gr- girl who played Cassandra Kane was another standout like I was her chemistry with uh Margot Robbie I thought was great.
1: Yeah there's a lot to like here and if if you're open to the energy of the film like I said if just every single thing about Suicide Squad you found just to be reprehensibly ob- obnoxious like, if you found that movie to be water torture, then <laughs> I don't know if this is for you because it it kind of – it commits to the choices that were accidentally made for Suicide Squad and then competently builds a film around those choices. So, yeah, you know, yeah, take that for I, what you will. But it, I, I, I feel as far I as really a reconstruction job, I was pleasantly surprised.
0: I honestly think this movie is more comparable to Deadpool than it is to Suicide Squad.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. I think that that is the model. If you
0: saw Suicide Squad and hated it, I think you can still enjoy this, because I yeah. did see Suicide Squad, and I did hate it, and I really enjoyed this. But if you didn't see Suicide Squad, like you don't have to know anything about yeah, that don't movie. Know. Yeah, <laughs> don't now. There's, yeah, there's no... There's a couple like little nods to it, like subtle Easter eggs, but um, you know that are done in a very smart way. That, like I said, it it sort of reminded me of the way Rise of Skywalker treated Last Jedi. Like, yeah, that happened, sure, whatever, but um, this is <laughs> moving the story on. we telling, yeah. yeah, uh, and something, uh, the way I try to view comic book movies, I think I've mentioned this before the way I try to view comic book movies in this day and age, because there's so many, uh, some of them are great. Some of them are good. Some of them are shit. Uh, Mm -hmm. in a shit comic book movie, we got to the point where a shit comic book movie doesn't have to make or break anything. Um, and and I think that's great. Like if there's a, you know, suicide squad in my head, it was just a, it was just a bad arc. Uh, you know, I didn't (laughs) like the writer. I didn't like the artist. Um, Moving on, I'll I'll pick up uh, Birds of Prey with Harley Quinn number one because that looks interesting to me. Um, mm. I didn't yeah, I didn't read Suicide Squad, but you don't need to like you know. And I really like that. That's where we've gotten the comic book movie market is so saturated that you can start to build off of the stuff that we know, but build it for like a comic book arc. Use what you what worked the the stuff that. Doesn't affect your story. Just throw it away. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, what would you give? Uh, whatever they're calling this movie this this week.
0: Um, I give it a B plus. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, the the criticisms I have, I was able to forget about pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, swept up in the the ride of this movie, but a really fun one.
1: Yeah, kind of banal, a little empty, but I I enjoyed a lot of it, and I think that it was given you know the soil that it grew from, you couldn't expect better. Um, I give it a solid B. Cool. I I also think
0: like uh, this is you know this might be a little off topic, but this is more on the politics side of of it uh, of Hollywood. Uh-oh. uh Oh, watch out! SJW warning. Um, <laughs> I think this is. A good movie to, like, go and support, because I, I think the narrative of this movie right now is that it's flopping, even though it's not. It it still won its weekend. I think it's already made its budget back. Yeah. Um,
1: also, you have to but, consider the, the time of the year and the fact yeah, that it like, came out around the time of the, between the Oscars and Super Bowl. And there's a lot of, you know.
0: not ev- and Not every February you know, R rated comic book movie is going to be the next Deadpool. And I I know mm-hmm. that's what they were going for. I know that's what they're pushing for. But I also doesn't don't think that this is comparable to Hellboy from last year, which was a similar timed release with a similar uh, this is sort of becoming the R rated comic book movie um experiment month.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a testing ground.
0: Yeah. Because Deadpool sort of broke that door open. I again I I think it's a little unfair how the narrative is being framed on this movie being a flop. And I think it's, you know, again, a step in the right direction for DC. Uh, this is like the third or fourth movie in a row by them that I've, I've actually enjoyed. So like, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, go support this and and I think it's cool that, you know, this is a, a female driven action movie that I don't think it's obnoxious about it. Like, you know, and, and I don't mean that to, sound
1: terse but it, it is important i know what you're to, saying yeah because that's it, what like, i would also say like on the flip side don't avoid this movie because you just think it's gonna be like hyper woke and, blah, 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 and then they're gonna be shoving a message and no, all that, that this is actually pretty irreverent and like it's uh i wouldn't say that it's just it's like in your face, a feminist film. If that is the thing that you're in uh, inclined to be annoyed by, I think that this is just a, like a fun culty, weird action movie.
0: Exactly, and and I that's what I mean when I think like that's worth celebrating. Um, yeah, and it does have great feminist uh, qualities. If that is what you're interested in as well, and I, you know, that audience is there, and and to me, that is like sort of the ultimate feminist message is like this can be just as dumb and fun as a male action movie uh, mm-hmm. it just happens to be about female characters
1: yeah let's go ahead and uh, start talking about Satan uh yeah our streaming homework
0: for this week is because we have moved on from just Netflix we are not no longer slaves to Netflix uh, mm-hmm. this is available on Hulu Hulu right, that's, that's where yeah. I watched it yeah is the uh, documentary Hail Satan. Um, it's, uh, it, Hell I'll let you describe is, it. Yeah. It's about a rising group of modern Satanists and they're basically their struggle with the idea that America is in some aspects, America is, uh, considered to be a bit of a theocracy in certain areas of the country. And, uh, this is about a group of Satanists. Uh, modern Satanists who want to challenge that idea. And, uh, you know, if religion is, if America is built on this idea of freedom of religion, uh, they want to, you know, America to be true to that and have their religion be represented just as equally as uh, any Christian faith. The the sort of main narrative thread here is in areas where they are propositioning to build a 10 commandments monuments, on uh Capitol Grounds, they also proposition to have a ten foot tall statue of Baphomet Bills, <laughs> uh, there the goat headed demon, um which is their chosen representative for Satanism. Right. Um but also, you know, this movie uh gives a a, a thorough history lesson uh into Satanism as a religion mm-hmm. and it does As well as to- a
1: history of of the way uh, the 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 commingling of um, evangelical uh, Christianity and the right wing have have mingled since roughly the mid seventies or so, and how that uh, came along with things like the Satanic Panic of the eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to- uh, totally.
0: And so it, it's also a, uh, an interesting education of what is Satanism, what is you know i don't want to explain it too much because i think the movie does a much better job of it but yeah. basically it's that it's it's organized secular well it's not secular it's a religion but it's it's honestly more it's built non-theistic on, though yes I- exactly and uh it's not literally praying to satan as a deity but uh satan is the form of the adversary. So it's more about a religion of counterculture than anything else. Mhm. And and dedication to counterculture and rebellion versus a literal um fallen angel, you know, Lucifer as described in Dante.
1: Right, absolutely. And it's also uh you know, Satanism is more of a philosophy at this point than it is even a religion. Like and we should we should be clear here, this is the uh, uh, the, the, the characters or the uh, subjects of the documentary that are being interviewed throughout the film. Lucian Greaves and uh, uh, Yes, it, it's the Satanic, Jex Blackmore uh, and all of these uh, leaders of the Satanic Temple is actually an offshoot of the Leveian, uh a- Anton LeVay's Church of Satan, which was created in the 60s. Um, so yeah, this is the, even it, a more sort of modernized and um, reconsidered version of that sect.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, there are uh, Satanists who do, like, pray to the deity of Satan. and, and
1: Yeah, there are so, – well, there's a difference between Satanism and devil worshipping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which sounds like splitting hairs. Um, but it's really not because – I mean, Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, sort of the whole point of this movie is how they get lumped in with that and – uh, you know, mm-hmm. the stereotypes that are formed around Satanism and, like you said, it, it, about the um, history of, like, the Satanic Panic. And so, like, a lot of the the people here are dismissed on the just the notion that they call themselves the Church of Satan or the yeah. Satanic Temple, um, you know, and people... Uh, you know, we see this sort of right wing backlash calling them devil worshipers and saying sure. that they sacrifice children, and like that is sort of the entire argument against them. Um, so I do think it is important to make that distinction.
1: It is, but it it is all it is, but it isn't. And I'll say this, um, as someone who is not a practicing Satanist, but somebody who philosophically shares many of the same beliefs, um, yes. uh. <laughs> which sounds like a crazy thing to say on a podcast, but no, it's so. Here's the thing: I'm 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 essentially an agnostic atheist, which is to, which is to say, I don't really know what the big que- what the answers are to the big question, nor am I necessarily sure that I care. But in that, in just general humanism and secularism, there is going to be a lot of overlap with the goals of these the Satanic Temple as they see uh, their version of. The, the symbolic Satan as being a, a representation of the, the opposite side of the coin of theistic Christianity or Judeo-Christianity as it's become more and more sort of politicized in America. So I think there's a lot of people within sort of the secular world, whether you're a humanist whether you're a universalist or something like that, who can find common ground with this? And I think that it's more has to do with kind of that movement than it yes. does with even the occult. Even though they, you know, aesthetically, yes, there's a lot of wearing of black, and they do have theatrical. like very theatrical r- rituals but, with but the nudity I mean, really. and swords and pig's heads and and Is all it of really it. Really and you might really not worse. be into that.
0: No, that's uh, true there's a lot of uh like uh, uh sort of unflattering nudity
1: um
0: <laughs> uh, and and but yeah i mean also you know you could say i mean really is uh are they that much more theatrical than catholicism no it's just there's more black right. and blood and blood imagery and it's a little messier
1: <laughs> um, right yeah but i think the idea of like the black mass and 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 sort of like uh uh, satanic imagery is always mined from, uh, high church, um, oh, uh, totally. Christianity. It, it, I mean, it is very much a reactive religion. So to well, say and, that, and like... I think,
0: I think that's actually, uh, an important point, uh, with the satanic temple is, um, it, it is actively meant to offend.
1: It is meant yes. to, to, uh stoke people's ire. It is meant to And they know that. They've weaponized their own persona. I mean it's yes. you know kind of going back to the kind of a punk rock thing. I mean this is very this is very much a, a, a counterculture sort of punk rock movement. Um and, and
0: but ultimately I think cuz I I did identify with a lot of the message of the the satanic temple. I mean ultimately mm-hmm. I, I I identify as a secular humanist. Mm-hmm. Um and I think one of the big separating
1: factors for me is I'm just not that confrontational. Um, yeah, I, you know, and, and, I, and a lot are, of this like, is they... very performative and, and purposely so. I think I think they know that like, hey, if we like want to p- erect a 10-foot statue of Baphomet, it's going to piss people off. That's the point. It's like we're going to go in places where we're tep- we're typically not allowed to be out and proud Satanists. And we're going to uh, rustle feathers unless you admit to yourself that hey, you're not cool with every religion like you say you are. Exactly, and and
0: that's the thing is, it's not even that they necessarily want the the statue of Baphomet to be erected. They yeah. what they don't want is a representation of any one religion over any others any in other. on yeah. Uh, yeah on state grounds on you know and it's it not just the, the separation uh, of church and state
1: yeah and it's not just the 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 ten commandments on the on the front of the lawn and one interesting point that they make that I didn't know is they only started doing this after the Cecil B DeMille film <laughs> you know which kind of goes back yeah. to like the thing of like you know all of these uh Confederate statues that were erected in the 60s specifically just to scare black people which have somehow become like the sacred history of America now um or like in God We Trust only being put on the, our money in like the 50s, and everyone thinks it's just always been there. Um, and so, you know, this movie goes into those kind of things. Um, and and I'll even admit, like when they decide to have after school Satan study, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> like, like even as a as a whatever I am, I'm like, uh, th- this is a this is pretty confrontational.
0: <laughs> I mean, I. I don't know. I I, the little
1: Satan guy, like the and the little pamphlets, and they're like doing colorings. But but here's the thing.
0: But here's the thing. That's only offensive if you believe in Satan as described as an actual thing. Yeah, by uh, Christians. Like yeah, and a lot of people do. Um, Yeah, you know. But I don't see. I only marginally see the difference between that and Sunday school, or in that, or, or. uh, even more like um you know we went to high school uh, in a very dominant uh mormon culture to sure. the point where uh uh stake centers or or what what did they call them um uh primary built, schools or whatever uh, yeah were built across the street from our high school so you know kids could get a free period to go uh you know to uh, seminary to go to yeah. seminary um which you know, it technically didn't count with their high school grades and stuff. I, you know, really, they were just getting a free period for that. But to me, it's only marginally different. Like, if they're not... If they're teaching these kids that, you know, like, uh, you know, we have one life. So, life is valuable. And, and um, mm-hmm. all, you know, all of the tenets of, of their particular branch of Satanism, mm-hmm. um, which are pretty positive and life-affirming. And, you know, like, I... Legitimately, have no problem with teaching kids that.
1: Yeah, no, I I don't either. I'm just saying, like, okay, this is pr- this that specifically was like, I this is very provocative. This well, is yes, very. Yeah. I mean, especially once you're like, you know, talking to to kids and stuff, like, and I mean, I thought it was funny but um, I want to talk <laughs> okay. a little bit I want to talk a little bit more about the documentary itself we, we, I think we've talked a lot around it a lot but um, yeah. one one of the aspects I thought uh, was really interesting about this movie um, and it was sort of a unspoken subtext that went throughout as they're going through sort of their, their mission statement and blah 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 and they' – you know this very subversive group that's sort of um, decentralized and then it sort of grows online and then there's there's other factions that kind of start up in other cities. And uh, Lucian Greaves, who is sort of the unofficial leader of the of the church, decides, oh shit, we gotta like kinda start having rules now. Because we gotta (laughs) make sure that the Phoenix, Arizona branch isn't sacrificing cats or something in the name of the Temple of Satan, because we don't want we don't need or want the bad press. And so what we see here is this kind of the subtext of once something grows to a certain size, you know, these, even something as subversive and as rebellious, you know, the ultimate rebel, Satan, even as something as rebellious has to begin to conform to a certain amount of a, a social acceptability to exist.
0: You have, yeah, there it gets to a point where you have to have some level of structure. You you know. Yeah. Um, and we
1: even see this like, uh, inter scene politics kind of start to, f- uh, fracture, uh, the members of the church themselves, even like as they're, uh, interviewing for the documentary, like, you know, within the making of the documentary, we see a, a major shift happen between two of the leaders. And so I thought like that subtext in there, uh, I think that the, the bigger points about, uh, freedom of religion and the separation of church and state and all of that works. Uh, really well and is really entertaining and really interesting and really thought-provoking but I think like the story that's happening underneath is almost more interesting
0: Uh, yeah no I I agree with you I I mean I thought this movie was really well done Uh, I -hmm. think it's it's smart um, and it's really funny Um, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 there's like this opening sequence where it's just like this guy casually walking up these stairs in this crazy like goat mask and black uh-huh. robes and uh, and it's um it's definitely cut for comedic effect but uh yeah. uh yeah I mean overall I thought this was a really entertaining movie um which like you said brings up some really interesting points uh uh and you know like most documentaries um will kind of piss me off at some points um, sure
1: socially conscious documentaries anyway yeah
0: yeah yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think this movie has a lot to say, and it does it in a really uh, entertaining and uh, uh, pop presentation.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Cool. So what did you have for the streaming homework next week?
0: Um, Okay. Next week, we are going to be streaming on Hulu uh, for our streaming homework the mockumentary uh, Mr. America um starring tim heidecker uh based off of his character um uh i think from on cinema is i i don't know we his online had, show yeah yeah we had a uh, friend of the show patrick sort of explain the intricacies of that to us so um uh if a little while ago so i was pretty curious about this movie um mm-hmm. and it's gonna be streaming soon so yes mr america
1: Cool. Yeah, we're going to put in our uh, two cents on that. So, um, yeah, after Patrick gave us that voicemail and and described it, it sounded like something that would be worth talking about. So uh, that ought to be fun. All right, cool. Uh, If anybody has anything to say about any of the movies or topics that we talked about in this episode or past episodes, you can contact us at our email at mcguffinpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media. Uh, On uh, Facebook, we are facebook.com slash mcguffinpod. Um, Like us there, and you can see the news stories that we post, episodes when they go up, surveys that we uh, post to our listeners. And on Instagram, we are at mcguffinpod, and on Twitter, we are at mcguffinpod. So do that, and uh, you can follow me individually at bccassidy on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can also go to mcguff.in slash author Cassidy to see some of the articles I've written for the MacGuffin. And you can also see uh, podcast archives there and follow the RSS feed or whatever it is you like to do. Um, we are streamable. I don't know what you're listening to this on right now, but we are streamable on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Pocket Cast, and Player.fm. And uh, what else? Um, oh, read my weekly reviews that I do for the Idaho State Journal at their website, idahostatejournal.com, in their arts and entertainment section, uh, subcategory, Movies. I think that's all I have to say.
0: Cool. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Keith Foster Kid. Um, once I reach 800 followers on Twitter, I will eat something totally normal and not weird at all, but spicy. Um, mm-hmm. And you can also follow my art account um, at Sticky Note Aesthetic. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, That's Instagram, if, right? Yes, uh, on Instagram. I do comedies sometimes. Um, <laughs> and if you're interested in connecting with me, you can go to my website, www.keithfosterkit.com
1: Yes, and look out! I don't know when it's going to come out, but I recorded an episode of Almost Educational with friend of the show Patrick, who we were just talking about. Um, we talked about the movie uh, Videodrome and Marshall McLuhan and Canada, and we get into it. So if you want to, if you want to hear about all of that, uh, check out uh, almosteducational dot or check out their uh, streaming stuff on on iTunes, and you'll see that episode when it pops up. Um, Otherwise, that's it. I named him Bruce after
0: that hunky Wayne guy. Bye.